0: Today on Bold Steps with Mark Job, we're learning what it means to have kingdom values.
1: This is not an ethic code. This is not a morality list that you try to live up to. Uh, this is not saying this is what you should strive to be. This is saying this is who you are. Now live it out.
0: Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Jobe. Mark is senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago and president of Moody Bible Institute, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. The dictionary describes a revolution as a radical and pervasive change in society, and there have been many revolutionaries to grace the pages of history over the years, but only one man stands head and shoulders above the crowd. As we begin a new series today, Mark, you're going to be taking us to the Sermon on the Mount with the hopes that God will start a revolution in our lives through Jesus' powerful teaching. Why don't you take a moment before we hear your message and set this series up for us?
1: You know, Wayne, Jesus obviously was more than just a revolutionary, but what he taught was revolutionary, and he came to bring in a, a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, and it shocked people, and his principles, Wayne, are so opposite sometimes the principles that we've been taught, serving and loving, he who wants to be great needs to be servant of all, and it turned the world upside down and continues to do so. So the challenge here, Wayne, is how do we embrace the kingdom of God revolutionary principles and live it out in this world.
0: The world needs us uh, to live it out, doesn't it? Well, we're going to open this series now with your message called The Revolutionary Church. Here's Pastor Mark Job.
1: There's been revolutionaries down through the ages, but this revolution that Jesus was bringing was very different than most revolutionaries. Some people would consider Martin Luther King, the civil rights reformer, a revolutionary. And he did, he helped revolutionize the uh, justice, the civil rights, led the civil rights movement. But Martin Luther King was not the revolutionary. He embodied the revolution. Uh, Other people would say that Lenin and Marx embodied the communist revolution that took a hold of the uh, Soviet Union and spread to Cuba. And they were revolutionaries but they were not the revolution. Other people would look at George Washington, one of the uh, early uh, revolutionaries of our country, and uh, they would say that he embodies the ideal of the American Revolution, and George Washington, our first president, does, but he was not the revolution. Jesus is the revolution. In fact, the teachings of Jesus are not just revolutionary. It's Jesus himself is the revolution. In fact, the spirit of the living God through Jesus Christ dwells inside of you and I. And that revolution is not a political or military revolution. That is not a revolution that involves government and power. It is a spiritual revolution that transforms our value system. And if we allow it, it can turn the world upside down. This revolution has been going on longer than almost any other revolution. It's been going on for the last 2,000 years. The Bible is still the best seller of all times. They have tried to stamp out this thing called Christianity in some nations. They have had Bible burning festivals. They've closed down churches. But this revolution continues on in countries like uh, China right now it's very hard for people to be able to meet publicly but this revolution goes underground and people meet in homes packed out from wall to wall having memorized entire portions of Scripture I was talking to a fellow recently who had been to China and was speaking to the underground church and he said as he was speaking to this group of 20 believers He said, well, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. And they all just kind of looked at him. And then he said, and turn in your Bibles then to Colossians. And he would read this passage and they all kind of looked at him. And he asked his translator, hey, don't they have Bibles or what's the deal? He says, oh, no, no, no. Most of them have memorized the entire New Testament and so they quote it by memory. Help us, Lord. This revolution continues on. There are countries right now where it's illegal to have uh, services, but the church continues to thrive. What is it? is it? How is this organized? Well, it's not very organized. It's organized by the power of the Holy Spirit and the revolutionary teachings of Jesus Christ that's gotten a hold of people's lives, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and continues to spread like never before throughout the world. And so as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, what you're going to discover is that some of the things that you consider very valuable according to the Sermon on the Mount should not be very valuable. And some of the things that you consider of high value in your life today, God would say that should be of low value. Uh, I was reading recently and I heard uh, one, a speaker and teacher Uh, Tony Campolo, when he was young, him and his buddies decided to break into a pharmacy store, and not to rob anything, but to do a prank. And so they broke into this uh, pharmaceutical store, this little, you know, grocery store that sold many things, and they changed all the price tags. So they took the price tag of little paper clips and put it on vacuum cleaners. They took the price tags of radios and put it on little papers, and... So when people walked in the next day, everything was upside down in its value. And I believe that Jesus, as he taught the revolutionary series of the Sermon on the Mount, was doing that exact same thing for the people that were listening to him. He was replacing price tags on people's priorities, on people's values. You know, the thing about the church that bothers me, and the thing that I row against in my own life, is not to get sucked in to the value system that surrounds us, because how many of you know it's so easy to do? This Sermon on the Mount, you're going to discover the upside-down kingdom values. Now, I want to say before we even read the first verse in Matthew chapter 5 that you can't really understand the teachings of Jesus in this message unless, first of all, you understand the concept of the kingdom. Matthew, the writer of this gospel, his main theme in this gospel is Jesus the King. How many of you have read through the te- New Testament and run stumbled into verses like the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? And you've asked yourself sometimes, well, what exactly does that mean? Have you ever, how many of you, has that happened to you? Because it seems pretty, sometimes an elusive concept. But what is the kingdom of God? Is it talking about heaven later? Is it talking about a messianic kingdom with a king and princes and an army and a political system? Is it talking about an idealism somewhere? What is the kingdom of God? In John chapter 3 Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a man is born again he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In In the gospels uh, Jesus told some of the disciples when you see demons being cast out by the finger of God know that the kingdom of God is among you. Uh, When Jesus spoke to Pilate and he was going to be tried for execution, uh, Pilate said are you the king of the Jews and asked him several questions and Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world, if my kingdom were of this world then would my servants fight. So he was not talking about a kingdom with armies. He was not talking about a kingdom with a visible throne and a castle. But he was talking about a very real kingdom that Jesus introduced. And we don't have time this morning to get thoroughly into this, but let me just explain it briefly this way. In Genesis, the Bible tells us that God created man and woman, and he told them here, take dominion. Over all of creation Rule it subdue it and have dominion over it and It's interesting that when Jesus was baptized by John the baptizer and then went into the Wilderness to be tempted the devil it says took him to a high place and showed him the kingdoms of the world and he said to Jesus all of this the kingdoms have been given to me and I can give it to whoever I want If you bow and worship me, I will give it to you. Now, the question is, I thought God gave the kingdoms of this world to man. How did the enemy end up with it? Well, many scholars believe that at the fall of man, when man sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, that the very reign over this world and the very kingdom that God was establishing through them was lost. And that it ended up in the hands of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus, when He came, the Bible calls Him the second Adam. Jesus came to usher in the kingdom. And ever since Jesus came, suddenly the works of the kingdom started being manifest. He would raise the dead and open the eyes of the blind and heal the lame and the sick. And He would say, repent, get ready, for the kingdom of God is coming. Well, 2,000 years later, people would say, well, where is the kingdom? Let me tell you, the kingdom is already here. You say, here? Yeah, but it's a spiritual kingdom. Getting ready for the manifest physical kingdom. And what does that kingdom entail? That kingdom is present wherever there is a people that submits their life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the rule and reign of God in a people's life, in a community's life, manifests the kingdom of God among them. Every time someone bows their knee and receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he enters, another person enters the domain of the kingdom of God. Now when Jesus talks these verses about the kingdom, this message on the Sermon on the Mount is all about what it means to live in this world and yet not be of this world. This message is all about what it means to take on the values of the new kingdom that we belong to. It's a kingdom within a kingdom.
0: Learning more about the kingdom to come. Today's message comes from our series called Revolutionary. And if you've missed any portion of this sermon so far, feel free to catch the entire message online at boldstepsradio.org. And for even more convenient access to these messages, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you can enjoy listening to these daily Bible lessons while you're out for a hike or hitting the gym, anywhere you go. Just open up your podcast app on your phone or mobile device, search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, and tap the subscribe button. When you do, please leave a comment and a five-star rating and share this message you're listening to with a friend. Did you know you can also find Mark's teachings available on YouTube? By subscribing to the Bold Steps channel on YouTube, you can watch Mark's insightful teaching videos on topics that really matter. Things like marriage, addiction, purpose, and what to do when you simply feel like giving up. So go to YouTube, search for Bold Steps Radio, and click the subscribe button. The website handle is youtube.com/slash at bold steps radio. But now let's turn our attention back to the message Mark Job calls the Revolutionary Church.
1: I want to turn your attention to verse one of Matthew chapter five. It says, now when he saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and he sat down. Now, we don't know exactly what mountain he was on. It was somewhere near Capernaum. There's a lot of hills and mountainsides near Capernaum, so we could guess it could be any one of those several mountains that are there. Now, the Jewish tradition, rabbis or teachers, they would sit and the audience would stand. So Jesus sat, all his disciples, and the multitude stood to listen to what he was saying. I'm going to try that sometime. I'm going to sit and have everybody else stand. I think it would keep everybody awake, and I would preach longer that way. You know, Pastor, keep standing, please. And so he's sitting down, and his inner circle is the 12 disciples, but he has hundreds of people on the outer perimeter, the outskirts, that are also listening to this message. So this message is directed towards His disciples, but there's a broader audience involved in listening. And it says, His disciples came to Him and He began to teach them saying. And this is what, we, what commonly is known as the Beatitudes. And He gives them a, several statements indicating seven characteristics. Seven is the number of perfection in the Bible. Seven characteristics that should be manifest or evidence in people that are part of the kingdom. This is not an ethic code. This is not a morality list that you try to live up to. Uh, This is not saying this is what you should strive to be. This is saying this is who you are. Now live it out. Are you tracking with me? Jesus is saying this is what people of the kingdom are. And they are blessed when they are this way. And so he, in, he starts each of these statements by saying, blessed. Uh, there's two words in the Greek for blessed. One has to do with what happens to you. Another one has to do with what happens in you. The word that's used here refers to what happens in you. Blessed means the favor of God. It's an, inter, an inner state of well-being, of favor of God upon us. And he starts by saying, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. I believe he starts with the upside-down kingdom characteristics. What should be evident of people that are part of this revolution. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but I usually don't pray to be poor. Do you? I would ask, hey, how many of you pray to be poor in anything? Poor in your salary, poor in your clothes, poor in your car, poor in your house, poor in your spirit. Most of us don't look at being poor as something that we aspire to be. But I want you to understand that this is not talking about monetary poverty. Because he defines it, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, What does it mean to be poor? It means that you have little of something and usually when you're poor you realize that you have so little of something that you need help. Jesus is saying blessed are those that are poor in their spirit that realize how much they need of God and how little they have on their own, how desperately deficient they are without the presence of of God Almighty, they realize it, they understand it, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here's what I want you to understand, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you realize how poor of spirit you are. You see, because you can't be born again unless unless you realize how desperately you need God. I run into people once in a while, they say, well, how come everybody that gets saved, they're always going through a divorce, or, or they've hit a bad time in their life, or they're struggling with an addiction, or they're going through a crisis, or they find out they have cancer. How come it's always in the middle of crisis? Well, it's not always in the middle of crisis, but oftentimes we don't realize how poor we are unless crisis shows us how poor we are. And we wake up one day and say, without God, I, I am really empty. And without God, I I lack a lot. You see, if everything's going well in your life, the economy's growing, everybody's healthy, your marriage is happy, everything's going well, then you say, I don't really need God. Oh God, yeah, 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 I pray to God once in a while. But the poor of spirit say, I desperately need God. I really need God. I can't survive without God. I am bankrupt without the presence of God. This is not an option. This is a drive. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, unless you get to the point of being broken, you will never never become born again. Unless you realize that you can't make it without God. Unless you realize how desperately you need His forgiveness. If you think you can do good works enough, if you think you can make it to God on your own, you will never be broke enough to say, God, I need your grace and your forgiveness. I desperately need you. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. By the way, there are rich people that are poor in spirit, and sometimes there are poor people that are not poor in spirit, that are proud and don't reach out to God. Secondly, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You see, these are are inverted values. The world tells us, hey, be self-sufficient, strong, you don't need anybody. Jesus says, you have to be poor in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. These are inverted values. He's, He's switching the price tags on us. Blessed are those who mourn. You say, I don't want to mourn, I want to be happy. I don't want to be blessed by mourning. I want to be happy. No, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn over what? I believe he doesn't state it directly but i believe he's talking about the kingdom and he's talking about i believe he's talking about mourning over our own sinfulness it's called repentance in the new testament blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted you know you need to realize that at times this life is going to have grief and the first grief is our own lack our own sinfulness that we mourn we break over we 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 are sorrowful over and God through his forgiveness and his grace comforts us but we are blessed when we mourn. In fact, you don't enter the kingdom of God without mourning. There's no such thing as entering the kingdom of God without repentance and repentance always brings about sorrow. No one walks through the kingdom of, no one enters the kingdom of God like this. Look at me, here I come now. We enter the kingdom of God like this. Oh God, help me, Lord, forgive me. Jesus said it's harder for a rich man who has everything going for him to enter into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why? Because you have to be broken. You have to be broken to enter the kingdom of God. And some of us haven't been broken enough. Some of us, the best thing that could happen to our life is that our life get worse. You say, oh, pastor, don't, play, don't pray that on me. <laughs> that our life gets worse to the point that we realize that we need God and then finally we can begin to enter the kingdom of heaven because we pursue and seek after God. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I never, as a young man, I never prayed for meekness. That was the last thing I wanted. I want to be strong, valiant, warrior, defeat, conquer, but meek? The image that I have of meekness is is a person that's a bit of a rug that people walk on and stomp on. Someone that people speak to and doesn't have a voice of their own. Someone that everybody takes advantage of. That's sort of my image of meekness, but in reality, the real image of meekness has nothing to do with that. Real meekness has to do with controlling our power, the ability to control and not abuse or use our power even when we know we can, to keep it under control.
0: This is Bold Steps, and you're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job. To learn more about Dr. Job or this ministry, visit us online at boldstepsradio.org. And be sure to look for today's message titled, The Revolutionary Church. Mark, it's such a special privilege today to have Dr. Gary Chapman in the studio with us. It's the 30th anniversary of the publication of the Five Love Languages Twenty million copies of that book has sold, and how many other books uh, along this theme have been written by our guest here, Dr. Gary Chapman? Gary, you ever counted those books up? I have not, but I think there's probably ten or twelve. <laughs> I think there's. Uh, I think so, but "God Speaks Your Love Language" Mark is the one we're offering to our listeners.
1: That's right. So I have read the five love languages years ago, and it really helped my marriage out. And so my wife and I go back and forth and we talk about it. But, you know, I had never thought about love languages when it comes to our relationship with God. Hmm. Um, But, Gary, you felt compelled to write a book because you felt that people's love language as they relate to God was important for them to understand. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, one thing, I didn't want us judging other people who
0: worship God a different way. I mean, mm. talk, I'm talking about true Christians, you know, because sometimes people raise their hands in the worship service, and other people say, oh, don't draw attention to yourself, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's their love language. They're expressing love to God in their way, you know. And so it's coming to respect other people who differ with us in love languages on how they relate to God. That's one part of it. Mm. And the other part is, you know, don't allow your own love language to get boring to you. Just get, Now you're just going through the motions, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. not even really thinking about God. God. Let's keep it alive. Yeah. You know, the heart of this is intimacy with God, learning to relate to God in a way that's intimate, unique, and yours. I love that. Thank you, Dr. Gary Chapman.
0: And right now, we'd like to send you Gary's book, God Speaks Your Love Language. When you give a financial gift to support this ministry, call 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. Or request a copy of this Bold Step gift online at boldstepsradio.org. And several of our listeners like to send their donations through the mail. To do that, just put your check and request for the book in an envelope and send it to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois 60610. That's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois 60610. And when you commit to giving a monthly gift of any amount, we'll add your name to our growing list of Bold Partners. Now, when your gift is $30 or more each month, we'll also send you some special bonuses like a signed copy of Mark's book, Unstuck, access to our Bold Partner post, and a series of video messages from Mark designed to equip and encourage you each month. You'll also qualify for a 50% discount on all items at the Moody Publishers online store. So sign up today online at BoldStepsRadio.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Be sure to join us again tomorrow when Mark continues with part two of this message, The Revolutionary Church. He'll be explaining Jesus' upside-down kingdom challenge, and you'll hear more about it Thursday when you listen to Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.